we have a, a shorter message. We're sort of in between books of the Bible. We're going to take the next three weeks to, to focus on sort of uh, Christmas. Um, and so with that, we're going we're gonna to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and to begin the Christmas story. So let's pray, and we'll look at our passage. Um, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. We thank you for the account that uh, Luke provides to us through your spirit. Um, We ask, Lord, as we look at this portion of the Christmas story, that you would help us um, to see uh, what your word tells us about the coming Christ. Father, that you would help uh, the story to be fresh in our minds, that it wouldn't just be a a story that we've heard a bunch of times. Uh, We ask that you would uh, speak to us through your word, that you would encourage us, uh, that you would help us to draw closer to you uh, through studying this story. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would guide us now as we take a few minutes uh, to reflect upon this story. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Okay. So the first two verses here, verses 26 and 27, sort of lay the... um, uh, the setting of, of today's story. We see that now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So <clears throat> the first phrase, now in the sixth month, we see later uh, down in verse 36 and previously that this is in reference to um, the story that sort of brackets um, Mary's announcement or Mary's understanding um, that she would have a child. Um, 
if we were to back up and, and look at verses 5 through 24, we would see the story of uh, Elizabeth um, and her husband, Zacharias, that he, they were both elderly. Um, they, they were of godly lines. He was a priest. He was, he was doing his uh, temple service. Um, he, was, he drew a lot that sort of uh, placed him in the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to serve in the temple uh, for a priest. While he was in the temple, um, the angel Gabriel appears to him and explains to him that he and his wife are going to have a son. And, and he's overwhelmed with this. It, it's, um, he almost can't believe it, that he's of old age, uh, his wife is older, and she's barren, and the angel appears, and he says, how can this possibly be? And, and uh, Gabriel's like, I, I'm sent from God, and I'm telling you, in the temple, uh, you should be able to deal with this. And so he, he had a hard time with that, and we're told that as he left the temple, um, he wasn't able to speak, and it, it seems like he used charades. They eventually gave him some writing to explain the situation, um, but in verse 24, we read, After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion uh, for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. And so when we come to this next phrase, now in the sixth month, that sort of puts us on a timeline uh, to, geographically to allow us to see uh, what's going on here. The circle up north is the Galilee region, um, but but our st- but the story of Elizabeth and Zacharias happens down here in Jerusalem, down south, and we don't know what town they lived in, but we know it was like the Judea region. So somewhere down south is where Elizabeth um, sort of went into isolation. Um, she was older; she's always longed for a, a, a child. Um, she was going to protect herself and the child. And, and so, so we see that she goes into seclusion. And in verse 26, we fast forward sort of six months or a month from verse 24, and we're told that the angel Gabriel appears again. But we're told that he was sent um, from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, it's interesting, um, not that we're going through Luke, but Luke is a Gentile, um, he was a physician by trade. His history now shows that this physician is also known as a historian because of the great detail that he took um, putting together the Gospel of Luke and Acts. Um, and he writes really to Gentiles because all Jewish people, they would know where Nazareth was. But he says, okay, in, in Israel, there's this region, the Galilee, which there's a Sea of Galilee and it goes west, and he says, within that region, there's this town, Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth was this puny, tiny town that nothing came out of. And he appears there, and verse 26 says that he appears to this woman, Mary. Um, So Mary's described in verse 27 as a virgin, that she was unwed, um, that she was engaged. The, the word really should probably, uh, I think our culture engagement doesn't mean the same thing. Um, a, a person could be engaged in our culture, break off their engagement, and it's really not that big of a deal. Um, to, to be engaged or to be betrothed uh, during that era 
you were legally married, yet you hadn't consummated the marriage. You would, you would have the ceremony, you would be engaged, and then the, the groom would have a year to sort of prepare the home to get things in order before the marriage was, was consummated. And so we're told that this Mary, she's a, a virgin. She was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. So we learned something about his, his lineage, which is important uh, as it concerns the Messiah. Um, and we're told that his name is Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. <clears throat> so here we are. The story moves north to the Galilee region, to this town of Nazareth, to this lady, Mary, who's engaged. Joseph is not in this story at this point. He's only talked about at this point. And in verse 28, we read, And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Um, This word favored one, it's, it's an interesting word. It's only used twice in the whole New Testament. The other place that it's used is in Ephesians 1, 6 where we read, uh, his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The word freely is, is that same word. And so the idea is that when this angel appeared to Mary, he's, he um, greetings uh, one who's received God's grace. Um, he says, the Lord is with you. This is a, a, a powerful statement. I, I think that the first thing I want to point out is, you know, Mary has this very popular reputation in the scripture that she is this uh, favored one of God. <clears throat> but we don't have to make t- too long of a stretch to make the case that in Christ we are favored just as Mary because in Ephesians 1.6 we're told that in Christ um, we've been favored uh, abundantly with God's grace. Um, she was a special recipient of God's grace. She was favored with God. Um, and we're told that the, that the Lord is with you. Now, we read that phrase, the Lord is with you, and, and it doesn't seem that, uh, that radical. We're, we're New Testament people. We're a people that is very, we're very accustomed to the idea that the Spirit of God has indwelt us as believers in Christ. We're very comfortable with the, um, the nearness of God. But when we read this story at this point in history, we, we need to recognize that we're, we're reading the pages of the Old Testament. This is before the Spirit of God came. This is during an era that, that historically is referred to as the silent 400 years that, that, that no prophet spoke, nothing was happening during this era. And so suddenly this, this lady, Mary, is in her little town. She's this girl who's engaged, and now this angel appears and says, you're full of grace. Um, God is with you. God has found favor with you. And her reaction, you could say, is terror, <laughs> fearful. Uh, it says, but she was very perplexed at this statement. That, that word perplexed is a perplexing word. It, it's only used here in the New Testament. It's not a common word. And it literally, it, it could be translated fear, anxiety, like what in the world is happening here? She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Like, what's happening here? Just confusion. 
we don't see that she says anything. She's, she encounters this angel, and she's in awe. Um, she doesn't know how to move forward. And I think it's important to point out that our, um, our conception of Mary, um, from the pictures that we see sort of, uh, if you were raised Catholic like I was, or you've just been anywhere, most of the images of Mary that we see, uh, they're, they're, they're not portraits. There are images that we've created, and often she's portrayed as much older um, than she would have been during this time. We know historically that she, she likely was very young. She was likely between the age of 12 and 14 years old. Um, we know that she was very poor, that um, we see in the offerings that she made at the temple, it was of the very poorest uh, category of people. Um, likely as a female, she was illiterate. Um, and so she's this, this by, our, by our standard, this is a child. <clears throat> and she encounters this angel. We know that she's a girl who loves God, is walking with God, is trying to uh, do life the honorable way. Um, and she's suddenly now faced with this encounter with an angel. Um, I think in this encounter and in her reaction... Uh, some other thoughts about her are, are sort of uh, decimated. Um, I, I never know how much to cover with Mary. Uh, I don't know how much I'm reacting out of my being raised Catholic. Catholicism has had a huge influence in our culture. Um, but from this story, she, uh, it's been said that she was immaculately conceived, uh, which is basically taking the story of Jesus' conception, backing it up a generation to Mary's generation, and saying that Mary, when she was conceived, that she was immaculately conceived um, so that no sin was within her, so that she was sinless. Um, uh, the Bible doesn't support that. She was a sinner like the rest of us. Um, also from this encounter, uh, the understanding that she was a perpetual virgin, um, is sort of born out of the story, which, which isn't the case from the New Testament. Uh, we see throughout the gospel accounts that uh, she had other children, that Jesus had siblings that followed after him that were, would be half uh, brothers and sisters, that they had the same mom and different dads. <clears throat> we also, from this, uh, the story of Mary, uh, the idea of being a co-redemptress um, is, is born out, that she is uh, equal with God. And from this story, I don't think we see any of that. As we look at her life through the New Testament, we see that, uh, that she is um, she's human like the rest of us. She's a, a sinner like the rest of us. And when she encounters this angelic being, she's overwhelmed with fear and concern and how do I move forward with this? And now as a Protestant, we often downplay the significance of Mary, which I don't think is important. There's, um, there's much to learn from her example of, of, of faithfulness. Um, you, you know, she, in the grand scheme of things, was a nobody in a nothing town living for God. And in the midst of her um, no, very normal life, God did an amazing thing. And, and the reality is, is her life was really normal uh, other than she raised Jesus but, but, but she was a mom, and, and she raised Jesus along with the other children. Um, she went through 
hardship and tragedy watching the things that happened to her son, Jesus. Um, but, but she's this picture of, of faithfulness um, and sort of a mundane life, I think, for us to follow. And so <clears throat> as she struggles through how to process this, we see that Gabriel continues to speak to her in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word favor is, gra- is grace, um, for you've, you've received grace from God. Um, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, <clears throat> and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And so basically, Gabriel says, don't be afraid, relax, everything's okay. Um, you have grace with God, you have favor in his eyes. He shares this prophecy that um, as a virgin, she is going to conceive, um, that she'll bear a son, and that there, she's to name him Jesus, and then Jesus is described. We're told that he will be great. We're told that he'll be uh, the son of the Most High and that he will sit on the eternal throne of David. And in in this, uh, three sort of Old Testament prophecies um, we see are coming to light. The very first prophecy um, given of Christ is in Genesis 3.15. In Isaiah 7.14, we're told that a virgin will give birth to the Messiah. And then the big... uh, covenant that's mentioned here is the Davidic covenant that's mentioned in 2 Samuel seven thirteen through 14. Um, this eternal covenant, uh, we're told that her son, this child, will come, come to be great. Uh, he will sit eternally on this throne, which is not something that a human can do because David, like all of the other humans that came along, uh, they passed away. <clears throat> and so she's given this great po- prophecy concerning uh, this son, uh, uh, verse 33, just, uh, I didn't have it in my notes here, but it says that, she, that he will reign over the house of Jacob. Remember, Jacob's name was tra- changed to Israel, and so he'll be the, uh, the ruler, the king of Israel uh, forever, eternally. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I... Uh, <clears throat> When I think of her question, it seems totally reasonable to me. Um, she responds like, literally, I, I am not with a man. I am engaged. Um, we've maintained our purity. And there's sort of like just the, the question of, I'm not, doubting, I'm, not, I'm not doubting what you're saying, but mathematically, I don't know how this is working out. Like, I don't know how this is, is, is happening. Um, I almost wonder if she regretted asking the question because then the angel's going to explain to her how this was going to happen. Um, I think a lot of times we ask God for like direction or clarity of like, hey, how are you going to do this? And I think God in his grace a lot of times doesn't give us all the details. Um, <clears throat> but she asked, and so the angel's going to answer in verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. 
And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her six months. So this is new information that's given to um, to Mary. Um, it's sort of authenticating, hey, you haven't heard about this yet, but your, uh, your relative Elizabeth who is barren, she's actually in her sixth month. So you might want to go check that out to help authenticate what I'm telling you. And and the story immediately transitions, we're told, that as soon as the angel leaves, Mary packs her bags and heads down to the southern part of Israel to see Elizabeth. And then the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God, which is a huge verse for all of us um, to sort of put into our hearts and to remember. <clears throat> and in verse 38, we see that Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. <clears throat> she has no more questions. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she just says, here's my life. I don't necessarily understand how this is all going to play out. Um, but she responds in faith, and she allowed God to direct the course of her life. And um, just sort of thinking about this story, I think some lessons that we have from Mary is that she was simply living her life. Like, I don't, I don't think that if you ask Mary before this encounter, that w- was God doing big things in her life? I think she's like, I'm, well, I'm, I, I, have, I found a guy that I'm going to marry. I'm really happy about that. Um, but she's like, I'm in this little podunk town of Nazareth, um, just sort of honoring God with a life that he'd called her to. And in the midst, in the midst of that, this huge interruption happened. And while we don't look at the story today, we're going to see that, that Joseph's put in sort of a bind because like the, the, the ancient people weren't foolish people. Like, like virgins just don't miraculously conceive. If, if a girl is pregnant, you, there's normally a reason behind that. And so he had to wrestle with things. Um, Mary's life, her reputation, all of these things would be sort of suspect for the rest of her life. <clears throat> but a huge lesson that I see from Mary is her, uh, her commitment of, of, of faithfulness, her, um, her, her willingness to allow God to direct the course of her life. Um, she says, here's my life, do whatever you want, and I'm willing to follow you regardless of if it doesn't make <clears throat> sense or not. When we look at Jesus, it's Christmas season, which is why we're looking at this story. It's very easy for us to forget um, or to, to confuse this story with uh, Jesus' beginning. Um, Christmas celebrates the incarnation of Christ, which doesn't mean his beginning. Um, we see through Scripture that Jesus is God, that he existed in eternity past and in eternity future. And so this story is when um, God became man. And so he came to earth. He was uh, somehow, I'm not going to be able to explain it. We're only going to be able to un- understand it in part. But the hypostatic union of Christ, which, which means that he's 100% man and he's 100% God, um, came into our world. Uh, when you and I were created uh, at conception, that's when our beginning, our, our beginning occurred. 
But when this story happened with Jesus, it wasn't his beginning. It was his incarnation, his coming to earth. Um, and, and this is a huge deal um, because his coming, um, he provides a way of salvation, which is what his um, name means, is that this is Savior. Um, and I understand that this is a hard uh, story to swallow, or it should be, because it, it, this is a miraculous story. <clears throat> and I want to end with the beginning of Luke. Um, if we can read these uh, first four verses. Um, so Luke begins, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished amongst us, <clears throat> just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it all out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, <clears throat> so that you may know the exact truth about the things you've been taught. And so I read this to remind us that Luke is a guy who, he came into the story midway through Acts. He didn't take the story lightly. And he had access to those that saw and encountered Christ uh, firsthand. Tradition holds that he actually interviewed Mary at the end of her life and sort of took into her account of what happened. And so he, as a physician, writes these things out to us. And so when we come to the stories, we come to celebrate Christmas. I love Christmas just as much as the next guy. I love the season of, of you know, cool weather like we're experiencing. That's sarcasm. But you know, buying gifts and, and, uh, and enjoying time with friends and family and listening to all the Christmas carols. Um, that the story of Jesus is a historical story. It's not some fairy tale. It's not some, uh, some item that has been made up like other uh, pieces of, of the Christmas experience that we have. But that these men and women uh, investigated, saw... Um, recorded by the Spirit of God very carefully the things that had happened, um, so much so that they um, gave their lives testifying to the veracity of the story so that when we come face-to-face uh, -face with the gospel, which is the, the truth that Jesus came, that he lived, he died, um, and he rose from the, the dead for us, that we might experience life. It's, it's not just a story that, that people took lightly. Um, and so as we close today, I just encourage us, <clears throat> um, if you don't know Christ, um, that you would really investigate, that you would take the time to look at the evidence historically. Um, for those of us who do know Christ as Savior, um, that we would recommit ourselves to the, the truthfulness of the story and his authority in our lives, and that he would really uh, just be the center of all that we do and think during this time. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you <clears throat> for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Uh, we thank you, Lord, um, for your involvement in our lives. We thank you that you're a God that is not distant from us. We thank you that you're a God that has revealed yourself not only uh, through creation, <clears throat> but through your word. 
And Lord, as we enter this Christmas season, as we uh, celebrate and reflect upon the story of Jesus' incarnation, his his, uh, coming to earth as as a human, Father, we pray that you would help us to see lessons from the story that we could be encouraged by. We uh, thank you for the life of Mary. Uh, We thank you for her faithfulness, her her willingness uh, to follow you and to submit to you uh, in an extraordinary way. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to honor you as she did, um, that you would help us to allow you to be uh, the director and guide of our lives. Uh, So often, Lord, we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, and life uh, can be crazy and chaotic at times. And and so, Lord, we we just come before you and we bow down and we ask that you would guide us, Lord, day by day. Help us to uh, have a spirit within us uh, that longs to follow after you. Uh, We are grateful that Jesus came, that he lived the perfect life, that he uh, made the perfect sacrifice um, so that we might have life with you. Uh, We love you, Lord. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen.